Hi, welcome to the Business of Healthcare podcast, where I will be sharing interviews, insights, project management, leadership training, and lessons learned from the field of healthcare to improve the delivery of your projects and business performance. In this episode of the Business of Healthcare podcast, I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Karen Baxter, who is a director at Dexcom UK. I wanted to interview Dexcom because I am a massive fan of their G6 product, which supports those with type 1 diabetes. My daughter has type 1 diabetes and we use the Dexcom G6 to continuously monitor her glucose levels. It makes such a difference in her care and day-to-day management of the condition. It is a huge global company. Karen heads up the UK office and we talked about how Dexcom got started, her approach to leadership, her approach to recruitment, her advice to entrepreneurs setting up a business in the healthcare space, which is to listen to your customers, listen to the patients invest in quality control and quality improvement, how they're developing strategic partnerships with organisations like Apple. And Karen gives us an insight into why she chose a subscription model for this product. It is a fantastic, fantastic interview. I absolutely loved it. And this is a reason why I wanted to do the podcast. I wanted to bring on Big and small companies, for them to be honest, give us a glimpse behind what goes on behind the scenes in just a really informal way. I absolutely loved it and I hope that you do too. Karen, thank you so, so much for joining me today on the Business of Healthcare podcast. It's my pleasure, Tara. Thank you for asking me. I wanted you guys on because my daughter Talia was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes on Christmas Day of 2017 when she was five years old. And like everybody, you kind of get trained on the manual process. And where Talia at the time was very sensitive to the doses of insulin we were giving her, we had to do lots of finger prick tests. And over time, we were starting to think, you know, there must be a better way, a different way. If she's five now and we're doing all these tests, what are her fingers going to be like, you know, when she's a teenager? So we started to explore what was out in the market and we've tried a couple of products, but then somebody recommended us to Dexcom. I feel quite emotional talking about it because it, it really has made, it's changed the way we manage the condition. So I was a bit like, we need to get Dexcom onto the podcast to share for those people that aren't aware of what technology can do and the human impact it can have, I thought you guys would be the best, the best in the business. I wanted to get you on. How does that sound? It sounds absolutely marvellous. I'm really interested and thank you very much for asking me and I'd love to, you know, chat things through with you today. Tell us about yourself and your role and how long you've been in the industry. Okay. So I've been in the healthcare industry for about 20 years, but actually in the diabetes space for about 13 I sort of ended up here a bit by accident, if I'm honest. I was working at Johnson & Johnson, actually on Listerine mouthwash at the time. And somebody said to me, Johnson & Johnson has just acquired a little company called Animas, who make insulin pumps. And I think that's something that would be really interesting to you. Why don't you go and talk to them? 
So I went and talked to Animas and ended up heading up that business and working with the LifeScan business for about six years. But also as part of that business, we did distribute Dexcom G4. So I got to know Dexcom through my Animas days. And then when Dexcom decided that they had the capability to invest in the UK and go direct in the UK, they came to me and said, we'd really like you to set the business up for us. You know, we've seen how you've worked at Animas. We've seen how you've engaged with the customers. We'd love you to set it up for us. So please, will you come and work for us? So I was absolutely delighted to be able to to come into to UK and, you know, and set Dexcom up because I knew that I would be able to get the product into the hands of more customers, you know, more healthcare professionals, but more adults and more pediatrics and children such as your own daughter that it could make a massive difference to for them because being you know head of the business direct in the country enables me to be more flexible around things which we have been so. So how long has Dexcom been established how long has it been going for? Okay so overall Dexcom globally we've just had our 20th anniversary but the UK business itself we've seen an awful lot of rapid growth and all, we've done an awful lot of things over the last three years. It's been extremely busy. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I can imagine. Just a little bit frantic. Very, very interesting and fabulous. But yes, very frantic over the last few years. So what departments have you got within the organisation in, in your UK branch? So we have what you would normally expect. So we have our field sales group and they have territories completely across UK and Ireland. So they spend their time going in to see healthcare professionals. Also, you might see them at customer events where families such as yourself are invited along to to look at different technologies. So they'll do that. And then my inside sales group sits here in my office in Camberley. And they'll be the people that you will talk to when you pick up the phone, when you need to order some product, when you need to arrange a delivery, when you need to any customer service side of things. That's my inside sales group here. But we also have finance, we have HR, we have supply chain, we have all the other things that you would expect to have within a business. But they actually sit up in Edinburgh in our European office because their responsibility spans Europe for us. So we operate pretty much as a standard business. We have sales on the outside, sales on the inside, um, finance, and then the other functions that you would expect sit up in Edinburgh in our European office. And can you explain what Dexcom is to those people that don't know? So Dexcom is a medical technology company. We make a clever little sensor that sits just underneath your skin and actually measures interstitial glucose, slightly different from blood glucose, measures your interstitial glucose. We have a little transmitter that sits on top of that that will send a signal to either your phone or a receiver to tell you what's happening with your interstitial glucose. It sends a signal every five minutes. And the really clever thing about it is that it will give you arrows. So it will give you speed and direction of how your glucose is changing. And I'm sure, Tara, you would be testament to the fact that that's really useful information um, yeah. when somebody has type 1 diabetes. And I think the difference that it makes is that if you don't have a device that 
tells you what the levels are and whether they're going rapidly up or down is that you have to wait until they either are having a hyper or a hypo. You don't know unless you see signs when Talia is having a hypo, she starts to get very tired, very drowsy. But when she's in that state, she's having a hypo. The nice thing about the Dexcom device is that you can see, oh, she's 6.6 and she's rapidly going down and you can you can intervene. So that for us is the game changer. The way I like to think about it is if you are testing your blood glucose with a meter, with a blood glucose meter, so you're pricking your finger you're, you're just taking a moment in time. So that pretty much looks like a photograph. What continuous glucose monitoring gives you almost is CCTV in that you can see constantly what's happening. It constantly gives you information and allows you to make decisions and choices to avoid both high and low blood glucose, which can have such an effect on somebody who does have type 1 diabetes. Do you know how many patients currently are using Dexcom in the UK? So we have thousands and thousands of patients in the UK currently using Dexcom and it's growing rapidly, not all of which is reimbursed by the NHS. Some customers have to self-fund Dexcom, but some are also lucky enough to be reimbursed. But that's my job really, Tara. That's what I see I need to do is I need to lobby the government, lobby NICE, lobby the healthcare system to try and get uh, much more reimbursement available so families such as yourself have choices. Not necessarily always my product, but have choices to choose as to what is the right product to help you and your family manage the situation that you're going through and manage the type 1 diabetes. Yes, we pay our, my local CCG doesn't, it doesn't fund this one, it does fund another one. Okay. Which is interesting. And, you know, this, this is new. So this is all new for the NHS. I know it can be quite frustrating for, for people with type 1 diabetes that the NHS seems to be a bit slow catching up in this particular arena. And I think medical technology will become much more widely available in funding. Are you able to answer why would the NHS fund one and not the other? It's just about data, Tara. It's about making sure that we submit the right data, that we can make sure that we can demonstrate that our product does what it says it's going to do, you know, has better outcomes for patients, actually is at the accuracy level that we expect it to be at, and really can help the NHS use its money in a different way to help people with with type 1 diabetes, you know, to avoid those hospital admissions, avoid those crashing lows that hopefully that are not too familiar to you now, but that, you know, can be familiar for people with type 1. Do you support those with type 2 diabetes? So if we talk about insulin dependent customers, so those that have to treat themselves with multiple daily injections, then I would say over time, CGM and monitoring will spread into that group. But currently, because our type 1 population really doesn't have access to the technology that they need, then we're solely talking to both NICE and clinicians about the type 1 population first. It may be that other, other types of product actually are more suitable for the, for the type 2 population, you know, maybe that are slightly different from Dexcom G6, 
But yes, I do see that actually that monitoring will make its way. And if you look at what's happening in America, those with type 2 are starting to use CGM as well. So one of the things I really like from a practical point of view is the subscription model. So I have got a a yearly or rolling monthly subscription and the product gets sent to my office. It, It sounds quite obvious and lots of things are on a subscription model. But I think in healthcare that is quite advanced. And I just wanted to understand how was that decision made? Why did you decide to do that? So when I took over Dexcom in the UK, our product was available previously, but at a much higher cost. And one of the things that was a primary driver for me was to make our product as freely available to families as it could be, bearing in mind that I knew that I wasn't going to be able to get reimbursement for everybody. So I'm quite a process, a regular, a, uh, I like to know what's happening in my bank account on a monthly basis. So when I looked at the cost of CGM across a year, I suddenly thought, well, actually, wouldn't it be nice for families to be able to budget, to be able to know exactly how much this was going to cost out of a household budget and be able to decide and make a decision as to whether that was, you know, whether you're able to fund it or not. And then just one monthly payment come out and then have enough Dexcom to cover you for the entire year. So I was hoping that that was going to make the product more freely available and more easily able to budget for families when we put together the subscription model. One of the things I also wanted to mention to you was the kind of the quality side. So in an ideal world, the Dexcom sensor runs to 10 days, but sometimes it doesn't for a variety of reasons. What is really good is that when the device doesn't go to 10 days, through an error that feels of no fault of our own, I can call up the team and say, we've had a fault. This is what we believe has happened. And then what happens is they take the details and they will send us one out. And what I really like is that drive and the wanting to know what's made it fail, what's the sensor number, so you guys can look into it to make improvements. Definitely. We see that as a really important part of our customer service. You know, our product is fantastic. And one of the things that makes the Dexcom G6 so accurate is our ability to be able to manufacture sensors consistently. But there are such a wide variety of reasons as to why there could possibly be a problem with a sensor. You know, it is only the width of two human hairs. You know, our inserter is a pretty good, pretty straightforward inserter, but also won't necessarily get it absolutely right every single time. There are so many reasons as to why a sensor could just get slightly dislodged. And then when you also look at the physiological side of things, as soon as you introduce anything under the skin, your immune system will start to fight it. And so you end up with noise building up around the sensor. Now, our really clever algorithm can try and even out most of that noise, which is why you find that it's accurate most of the time. But occasionally it just can't. And so, you know, the sensor may shut off and that's when you call technical support. And of course, you should receive a replacement. They don't want you to run out. You know, the other thing that's really important and why I want to always want to encourage everybody to ring technical support, please don't ever think that you're bothering us. 
is because we collate data. So if you have an issue, Tara, and a thousand other people have the same issue, we can look into, you know, do we need to do anything specifically about that issue? Do we need to try and change the algorithm to work that out? What is it that we need to do? So there's a real safety point around customers ringing our technical support so that we can make sure that there's not something that's happening, you know, to a great extent across the country that we need to be really aware of. I saw online you guys had a partnership with Apple. Is that correct? Most customers would know that that they can pick up the signal from the G6 on an iPhone. That will be fantastic. And just on that, obviously, we have a variety of phones that we're compatible with. So if anybody is thinking about using Dexcom G6 for the first time, please check our website for compatibility. We are not compatible with all Android phones. Um, You do need to check. And part of that is around the strength of the Bluetooth technology within the phone itself. It has to be of a certain level to be able to work well with our technology. So if you have any questions, you can always ring our customer support line. But please check the website to see what's compatible with, with G6 before you either buy G6 or purchase a phone. So could I ask, how do you involve patients? So say you're developing your kind of, you know, G7 or G8. Mm -hmm. How do you get patients involved to understand what works, what doesn't work, improvements and all of that stuff? Well, obviously, we have the feedback from, from customers via our technical support line all the time. We engage with our customers in in a variety of ways. So our R&D are always talking to customers. So you can always write to R&D. They'll always listen and and take things up. But also we like to do customer surveys very regularly. But we also have in the UK our warrior group, who are a group of our customers who feel very passionate about Dexcom G6 and what it's doing for them and who will speak for our for our product, for our company, all their own opinions, of course, who will come together at customer events, who will help us feed back into the company opinions, ideas, suggestions around what we can do for the future. Dexcom G6 was developed on the back of a huge amount of feedback from customers and patients. We want longer lasting. We want an easier insertion You know, we want different alarms. We want customizable alarms. We want to be able to go to different phones. So all these suggestions, you know, we'd like to be able to to pick up our phone at night and it not be on a bright screen. So, you know, you look at your trace at night and it's not actually on a really bright screen. It's on a darkened screen. There are a variety of things that we do and change based on customer feedback because that just makes the product much better and more usable for everybody. And how long does it take to develop the next product? Oh, now there's a question. It's really difficult to say, but if I look at the time difference between G5 and G6, it probably took two to three years to develop G6. But G6 is a completely new platform for us. So we will be adding on to G6 um, in different ways. You know, the move from G5 to G6, as most customers who've experienced both would know, new inserter, new algorithm, new transmitter, everything was new. But what we'll do now is use G6 as a base platform to launch from. So I imagine 
that new products will be coming and new updates will be coming thick and fast in the future on the back of G6. Is Dexcom solely funded by the patients that purchase their products or do you get investment from elsewhere? The global business runs as a business as you would expect in that people purchase the product and we divide the the revenue, etc. that we get from that product to run our company. But we also do have an awful lot of large investors who've put money into the company, who see the growth, who see how exciting the space is, who also see how exciting Dexcom is to make sure that we have really solid foundations, that we have the ability to invest a lot in R&D. The amount that we invest in R&D compared to a standard healthcare company is much, much higher because we know we need to keep bringing new products to market. That's really vitally important. So if your question is around the footing of the company, we're on a very solid footing and we're here to stay for a long time. And just a little bit more about you. Can you tell me, just to get a typical day, what were you doing yesterday? Oh, what was I doing yesterday? Let me just have a little look at my diary. My days vary so much. So yesterday, oh, so we're coming to the end of the year now, although it's only the 1st of November. So we're in planning for next year, for, for 2020. So yesterday, I spent some time on the phone with my sales operations manager in Edinburgh, looking at an incentive plan for my salespeople for next year. I spent some time on the phone with finance, talking about how my budget is going and what my budget may look like for next year too. I spent some time talking to my market access vice president, who's helping me to try and gain more reimbursement in the UK, so plans around that. I spent some time talking to our, we've got an outside company that we're working with around lobbying in Parliament to try and get MPs to to raise the noise around CGM and around medical technology. And as you can imagine, it's a little bit tricky at the moment trying to get uh, any time in Parliament. So we were looking at our plans over the next few months and what may happen in the new year once we have a new government. And then I spent some time talking to customers, actually, around what we might do next year and around education for healthcare professionals in particular and how we can help a much wider variety of healthcare professionals across many hospital units. As probably most of your listeners know, we have some very good experience, but it can tend to be quite concentrated into hospital units. You know, we're working with the NHS to try and broaden that education around CGM across many hospital units rather than just the few that are really switched on about about medical technology. Gosh. And I noticed from your LinkedIn profile, you used to be a captain in the armed forces. <laughs> yes, that's right. Somehow, Tara, I'm not quite sure. After I finished my degree, I ended up in the military. How can I describe it? I'm definitely a bit more Private Benjamin than I am G.I. Jane. And maybe some of your listeners don't remember those films. But G.I. Jane was a really rock hard, you know, really sort of marine type person. Private Benjamin was a little bit more disorganized. So I'm definitely more on that side than I am on hard military. But it was a very good experience. I learned an awful lot about myself. I learned an awful lot about leadership. 
and maybe I didn't quite realize it at the time, but I learned an awful lot around how to run a business, having credible people around me and how I need to hire lots of people who are much more capable than me to do great things for my business. You know, it was a really, really interesting experience. I love that. And what advice would you give to somebody setting up a business in the healthcare space from scratch? Ooh, tenacity, uh, resilience, innovation. Try and know your customers. Listen to your customers and put your customers first. And if you have a good product and you hire some good people around you and you listen to your customers, you should pretty much succeed. I think the trick, and I also think the trick with starting as well as with companies that are getting to to my size in the UK, but globally, I think where companies really lose their lose their way is when they stop listening to their customers. I think that's so important. They have to be the person that you first go to to talk to about everything. You still need to run your business, of course, but the customer has to come first. And what advice would you give to an entrepreneur setting up a business and you're recruiting? And when you're trying to recruit quite fast, you think, okay, I want, I don't know, an administrator or a PA or a marketing manager. You have what, you create the job description, but when your business is moving quite fast, they end up doing all sorts of things, especially when you don't have a lot of people. What advice would you give to an employee coming into a startup and their employee, you know, like one, two, three, four, five, what sort of skills does that person need to be able to thrive in a a messy, fast-paced environment? So when I'm recruiting, there's only three things that you ever really need from somebody when you're recruiting, and that's knowledge, skills, and attitude. And the way I look at it is I can teach people the knowledge and I can give them the skills but I can never really change their attitude. So when I look at people from all walks of life who come to work for me, and it certainly isn't people who've got huge amounts of experience in diabetes or have everything I want, if they'll roll their sleeves up and get on and help me to do whatever they can, you know, when I set up this business, I was hoovering the office, I was emptying the bins, I was building furniture. If they have that can-do attitude for me, then that's all you need to succeed because you can learn the other things. So if somebody fits with my culture, then they're good enough for my business no matter where they come from. Uh, Karen, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate your time. If people want to know more about Dexcom, where should they go? So they can go to our website and find an awful lot about our information. They can pick up the phone and call us, talk to my customer service team here in Camberley, Or if you're on our product and you need more help, obviously, you can always call our technical support line. So there's a wide variety of places. Or you can even just come in and see us. We're in Camberley. So we're very happy for people to come and see us too. I'm going to come and see you. Definitely, Tara. We'd love to have you. Come, Come down whenever you can. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tara. That was great. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and we hope that you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, we would love it if you left us an iTunes review or if you comment, like and share it on our social media channels. You can find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care and on LinkedIn, just look for Tara Humphrey. 
So the Business of Healthcare podcast is being brought to you by THC Primary Care. We are a project management company specialising in the development of primary care networks, GP federations and training hubs. If you need support or you are looking for advice on how to progress one of your initiatives, please drop us an email so I can arrange a call with you so we can discuss this further. Our email is admin at thcprimarycare.co.uk. We've been helping primary care networks with their development plans, helping them to make the most of their network meetings, sharing training resources. We've had questions like what do we include in a project plan? We have implemented network-based contracts across GP federations. We also support the day-to-day operational management of training hubs and have also got experience in setting them up from scratch. If we can't help you, we definitely know some people who will be able to help you, so please do get in touch. And that's just to remind you, our email address is admin at thcprimarycare.co.uk or come and find us on www.thcprimarycare.co.uk. And in the meantime, please tune in to the next episode of the Business of Healthcare podcast. <laughs>